0: It's Monday, April 20th, 2020. This is Rook. Desperate resource we need during a global health crisis is resilience. While we owe everything to the frontline workers who are risking themselves to save all of us, this is also definitely an international exercise in everyone digging deep. In the next couple of episodes, we're going to hear from two different voices in the Iranian diaspora, both role models of resilience. Today, a woman who's broken down barriers and literally fought her way past social, political, and institutional obstacles to become a champion. She's an exemplary case study in resilience, and she's here to share what she's learned. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. This is the second episode of Rook. We launched last week with Hamid Esmailiou as my guest, and I was so grateful that he agreed to do this and to open up the way he did. I also want to thank the folks who have found us already and started listening to this and sharing what we're doing. Um, Merci. We've had some uh, sweet comments on YouTube, good suggestions. uh, Special thanks to at least two of my cousins who gave (laughs) the content a like in social media. Uh, the others, I think, are holding out. We've, we've, um, we've just put all this together, so we don't really have a website yet. We're working on that, but we do have our YouTube channel uh, that you can subscribe to. I didn't, um, I forgot to mention that we have a YouTube channel on our first episode. Uh, you can subscribe, Chahesh uh, Mekunam, subscribe, Bukunin. Uh, please do if you like what you are hearing. Today, my uh, guest on this episode is a proud Canadian like me, and also of Iranian descent, but she came to Canada a little more recently and with a very interesting journey. Whether facing up to a challenger in the ring or taking on the brute might of a patriarchal state, she's never backed out of a challenge and has always given as good as she's received. Fati Nozellari was the first Iranian to win the World Kickboxing Championships in 2013, After her win, she attempted to join Team Canada and Iranian officials accused her of treason, handing her two suspensions that left her unable to fight at the top levels at which she had ascended for four years. She is currently the 52 kilogram world number five ranked contender. She's had an incredible journey of perseverance against all odds that has led her to Canada, where she now runs a gym and is part of the Canadian national kickboxing team and Fainazoi joins me from Vancouver, British Columbia today. Hello
1: farinazori Hi It's
0: very nice to have you on this program.
1: I' an um, honor to be on.
0: So f- f- first and foremost, how are you adapting with the quarantine and social distancing? How how would you characterize Farinoza's life in Vancouver in the time of corona?
1: Um, honestly, I'd say we're one of the lucky ones because uh, the government is handling the situation quite well. Because we are the owners of our gym, we still have the ability to go and have our own training session, even though the gym is fully closed and we've lost all of our income. And the fact that we can still go outside for a run because the weather is looking good, as long as we keep that social distancing limit, I definitely consider us lucky.
0: I mean, we're only 30 seconds in and I can see why you're inspirational. You found the positive, (laughs) you found more than the silver lining. Uh, Let me, let me ask about the the gym because you own and manage a, a famed kickboxing gym at this point in Vancouver, District Warrior, which is now closed due to the pandemic. Take, take me to that moment of, of having to close a gym that's so close to your heart, albeit temporarily. What, what emotions went through your heart and mind at that moment?
1: To be honest, we fought till the last second so that we can keep it open. The other small businesses, similar to our business model, have closed a week or two earlier voluntarily because they thought that this is going to be a, a two-week really closure so that everything can go back to normal. Right. But again, because of my background and because my family is still back home in Iran, uh, I, I had a bit more of an understanding, I would say, about the situation and about the spread of the virus. So I fought till the end to keep it open. So what we did is uh, we cut the classes in half. We made sure that there's no... Because in kickboxing, there's sparring, there's partner drills, and there is physical contact. Right. So we eliminated those, and uh, we tried to keep people as far away as possible. We added extra cleaning measures. And then when the government um, by law uh, said that we have to close the gym, which was around the 20th of March, or the 22nd, I would say, that's when... We had to shut down completely and that was devastating, not not just because of losing all of our income, but also the gym is like our home and the members are our, our community, our family, and we see them every day, some of them twice a day. Mm. We were called the one of the most addictive gyms in the world by Bloomberg last year because of how people keep coming back uh, two mm. or three times a day. So it it was really tough.
0: So it's not only a loss of business and income, it's kind of a loss of community to a certain extent.
1: Definitely.
0: You know, you 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 talked a minute ago about what you do in that in your sport in kickboxing. It, it doesn't seem particularly compatible with social distancing. It's not you're not across the net from somebody else hitting a ball at you. You're actually physically, you know, touching people. To, to tell me about how you how you are imagining you're going to be able to continue training. I mean, I know you've got the advantage of your husband, Ali, um, who trains with you, but what does this actually do to a contact sport in this moment?
1: What we have done, although us together, we can train together and we can keep that going, which is great, even though he is much bigger than me, so he would have to cut down to the level that he can actually hit so that we can, you know, be compatible. But there's still a you know, speed and technique and other drills that we can do and keep ourselves focused. But uh, as a business standpoint, if, let's say, we can open, but uh, we will have to keep uh, a certain distance measurement, we won't be able to operate fully at all. And I would say... The most fun part of kickboxing is when you actually know enough technique that you can defend yourself and you can throw the techniques with control. And I would say those classes for us are the busiest classes because we bring that sense of trust and high level technique that people who join the classes believe that they won't get hurt and they will actually improve. So what we're doing right now, we're doing virtual classes for our fitness program. We are just starting our kickboxing program online. Uh, however, it's, it's mostly shadow boxing and practicing drills in on air, uh, and it's tough. It's not as motivating, it's not, it's not as intense, but we just have to do what we have to do.
0: Well, that's what I was gonna ask, because there are many apps and even interactive sport gear available today that can sort of magically teleport people into training or exercising in their own homes as if they're in a virtual gym. Can full mm-hmm. contact sports such as kickboxing find some refuge in those virtual spaces? It seems counterintuitive.
1: It it can. I would say, uh, for example, a, a private client of mine just hung up a bag yesterday and I was online helping her, giving her some tips in order to uh, work on the bag, which, which is great for her. She has the space, but not all of us do. A lot of us live in a condo uh, and let's say if somebody is into kickboxing and the partner uh, that they live with, is not, then they won't be able to, uh, you know, hold the pads for them uh, and then push them to keep them accountable. So it's it's quite tough. But I've been telling all of our members and our community that this is a short time, and and sometimes these tough situations are just there to test our perseverance and. If we can manage to keep ourselves focused and work on the things that we normally don't want to work on, then we'll be much more improved when we come back.
0: And there's people like um, Babak Amini, who's here in Canada, but he still has a big following in Iran, and he does online guitar classes for uh, people in Iran. Are are these virtual reality gyms and what you're doing accessible to sport enthusiasts in Iran? Do you have a following there that can can reach you online?
1: I do have a big following from iran. i'm grateful for that because I've been here for ten years and and the fact that my people still find me interesting enough to follow and and follow the lead of how i do my kickboxing, how I train my fitness athletes, I'm beyond grateful for that. So I do have a free online Instagram live session every week that the ones who can't afford the sessions can always join in and I do have three times a week of Zoom training sessions which is very affordable for $8 a session that they can join from anywhere around the world. So I feel like because this pandemic is going longer than what people anticipated people are trying to get on the new training methods and that's a new era. It's, it's definitely new for me. It's a challenge. It's, it's hard, especially because I have to always consider that people are in a smaller space and they don't have any equipment available. So it, it keeps me motivated to bring in new exercises and challenge my knowledge, but also the fact that people are so willing to test themselves and try new things is inspiring to me.
0: What's, a, what's an example of how it's challenged your knowledge of how you've, how you've had to adapt?
1: Um, I would say before this, I had a minimal uh, body weight exercise routine that I would uh, always bring into my classes as warm-up, like uh, I would say a regular squat, push-up, sit-up, exercises like that. But ever since knowing that, you know, people can't be outside or can't use a certain equipment, some people don't have a dumbbell at home. um, I figured out the way that even with let's say six or seven exercises, I can change the time format of the exercises, put them in time sequences, giving them certain amount of breaks, challenging that, switching the time uh, limits, uh, supersetting two exercises with different time sets, Uh, basically uh, bringing that uh, Muay Thai rhythm or kickboxing rhythm into fitness exercises, I can still make them sweat, make them burn extra calories and, you know, make them feel good about their training after.
0: You know, you, you talked about um, the community and, and having a following in Iran as well as uh, around the world. Your your story is not the average tale of the first generation <laughs> migrant, you know, faced with insurmountable obstacles in pursuing your passion in Iran. You had to make a conscious choice of abandoning the gl- the glory of representing Iran in international arenas to start this completely new life in Canada and join the Canadian team. Obviously that must have been an excruciating decision have you ever looked back with regret at that?
1: Not at all. Um, I'd say and when I first moved to Canada, it was my family's decision. They applied uh, for immigration many years back, and then by the time it was approved, I was already graduated from university, and I already had a, a good spot in the national team, and I was on my way to the top. So the first few years, I would say three or four years that I was in Canada I would still go back and forth because my training and my team was back home and right. so it was a little bit of a challenge having to travel and not being able to settle um, but when I reached my uh reached the point of uh, world championship and when I saw how they would typically work with the men and how they would appreciate the male athletes compared to a female athlete that was the first ever to win a world championships. Uh, so when I won it, there was no man or women who've ever won it. So right. it was the first right. for all of us. And how what the reaction that I got, and how disappointed they were because they wanted the men to they uh, almost they almost didn't the
0: first they battle. don't they almost didn't publicize it, right? Is that correct?
1: No, all so the all the publications, to be honest, happened through social media. The social media scene was picking up, and and that's how people found out because. Every year at the end of the Persian year, they do this athlete appreciation night, and then they would invite them and give them gifts, etc. And then what they did is they, they didn't invite me, and they invited all the men, even though they didn't medal. And at that time, all these things would make me angry and frustrated, and, and I still wanted to prove myself. But then when I got the invitation to be in the Canadian team, it was kind of a relief for me because... I felt like even though I haven't achieved anything in Canada, this, this is a country that appreciates my um, work and appreciates all I've done.
0: You know, I was thinking about you and thinking about, um, I was thinking about wearing the flag of a country when you're competing, especially at that elite level, winning medals, et cetera. It's such a big declaration. Like I can't even, I'm not sure I can even think of something that is similar to that in terms of how big a declaration it makes and what kind of a symbol you become of that place. And you became this champion representing Iran. Now you represent Canada and you live and work in Vancouver. How do you sort out your own identity? How can you identify what feels like home?
1: You know, I'm very grateful for Canada because you are right, that the biggest achievement is for Iran, and I will never forget the moment that I stood on the podium and they raised the flag and the national anthem was going and my whole body was shaking it was the most I would say amazing feeling of my life but Canada is I'm so grateful for because they understand your background they accept you for who you are they don't expect you to lose your identity and be this person that they want you to be and say what they want you to say so they appreciate what I have and what I bring and all the experience and I am still you know, the girl that comes from Iran. But at the same time, I I have my own place. I'm valued here.
0: It's not just that they didn't celebrate you or invite you to to those kind of celebrations. You were sanctioned then by Iran and prevented from performing in the sport you love for four years. How do you channel the anger and heartbreak you must have felt?
1: So what happened was after the 2013 World Championships, I was invited to... For Team Canada, because I was already residing in Canada, my training was mostly there. So it would have made so much more sense. I was a permanent resident, about to become a citizen. So the the officials of Iran did they acted like it's uh, okay and and they approve. But then uh, I went back, and so for kickboxing, uh, World Championships is every two years. So for two years, I assumed that I am uh, going to compete for Canada, and I trained. I even sent all my information. Uh, they, the Federation bought my ticket and booked a hotel and reserved my spot and everything like that. And it was almost 10 or 14 days before leaving for the competition when I was served with a letter saying that I'm suspended because I never legally asked for the change. And by law, I can they can uh, suspend me for two years. And And that was the most amazing years of my life because I was – uh, 26, 27, I was at my prime and, and I had this motivation to, to prove myself to a country that I live in now. And then that two years was so frustrating because I felt like, you know, nobody can help me. It's, it's a process that I have to endure, but I definitely feel like I used that frustration in training and that, that fueled me to become better. And I felt like, even though I can't, compete and show my skills, I can still improve on them and become better. So once those two years was done, I, I applied again, and they said they never received the letter. So they were trying to play this game of losing documents in order to wait for my years to be done. They even, I've heard that they've, they've said, why is she still trying to compete? She should stay home and raise children. So it's, I feel like... Who, they, did, they, they who did they say to prolong that to? That.
0: Where, where did they say that?
1: Um, they said that to another male athlete that was in uh, the national team of Iran. There was basically a question of uh, what's going on with her situation. And and they kind of discarded it as in, you know, uh, let her, you know, circle around with this period of time. And then eventually she'll get tired and give up.
0: Good Lord. Hey, when, yeah. when, when you talk about channeling your frustrations when, when you're in the sport do you mean you actually think about these things like while you're fighting or you, or, or no or are you thinking about technique like in the moment what's in your head
1: when you are in the ring you are definitely thinking about all the tactics that you and your coach worked on but because kickboxing is a sport that is I would say it's beautiful and it's technical but there is still that sense of aggression so there is still something, I would say, a fire that you need to lit in order to be able to channel everything in. So I would say, yes, the first time I went back in the ring, I was thinking about that before I started. Mm. They even, what they did at the time, my husband was still with the national team of Iran, and um, I was trying to fight for Canada. And they even um, threatened saying that if I fight for Canada, they won't let him compete for Team Iran anymore. So they even went above that in order to create a, a huge issue in my personal life. Wow.
0: Wh where, where where do you find the inner strength to persevere? What what is it about Fiery noise Like where did this come from in you, do you think?
1: To be fair, I've never had a, a rough childhood. I had a good childhood. I my family was great and they, they've always done everything uh for us to, you know, have the best life possible. So I would say it it mostly comes from trying to be the best version of myself. And sometimes in order to be that, you have to endure pain as I mean, like physical pain. But I, I always think that all these big champions, they had to endure something that wasn't in their liking. There was always something that they had to persevere and they had to push through. And there was always an adversity that they have to face in, in order to succeed. And, and I'm a true believer in that. So I think having that mentality helps me proceed with no matter what comes my way.
0: But you just, even listening to you is inspirational because you, you seem fearless. You seem, but no one is 100% anything, right? So what, is, so what is your kryptonite? What, what, are your, what gets you scared? What are you terrified of?
1: I'd say I'm, I'm scared all the time. I'm terrified all the time. For example, in the situation that we have right now, it's not easy. I don't have a big financial background of a help, and what I have is what I work for. So it's definitely scary waking up and thinking that you don't have an income. But this is how I look at things. I always take things step by step. For example, before this, I had to wake up every day at 5 a.m. because my first client was at 6 a.m. And I, I still have that routine. So what I tell myself is, you just wake up at that time. You just put your shoes on. Hmm. You just leave the house. So I, I try to make everything in, in, like, smaller portions in order to be able to get myself through. Same thing when I want to go in the ring. I always say, just step in. And then I'm like, you just try to throw the first shot. Uh, you just go through this round. So I always try to make things smaller in in order to maybe reduce the stress or or feel like it's attainable. But I wouldn't say that I'm not scared. I am scared, but I I do feel that everything that comes my way is something that I can challenge and I can improve on.
0: You sound like you have the focus and discipline of a champion athlete. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) so, So if we're in the midst of this global pandemic... Specifically with your sport, is there something, is there anything? Martial arts can teach us about dealing with crisis. Like, What's the survival technique that you fall back on in martial arts in an adversarial position?
1: I'd say perseverance and repetition for us is everything. We have that discipline to not care if something is continuously repeated. For example, now that I train other athletes and, and, and people, I see that they get bored easily and they want to move on to new things. What martial arts teaches you is that you need to be doing, I would actually say, Bruce Lee's most famous quote. He says, I'm not afraid of a man who knows a thousand techniques. I'm afraid of a man who knows one technique, but I've done it a thousand times. So we always say that in our Why is that
0: important? Why is that repetition so powerful?
1: It just makes you that much better, for example, when you go into the ring and it's a stressful time. Not all of your senses are working perfectly as they would when you are training because you're in a stressful environment. Same scenario here. You would always fall back on a technique that you have done so much that you no longer have to consciously think about in order to throw So basically what we think is when you repeat something so many times, you will be able to throw it unconsciously without having to put as much effort. And Mm. that's the key in martial arts.
0: You talked a couple of minutes ago about financial vulnerability, and you're not alone. Like elite athletes who are not in one of the big sports, like the or uh, not an NBA player or a temp- tennis champion, uh, seldom make bundles of money. What, what mm-hmm. happens to an athlete who doesn't have millions in the bank in the time of Corona? What kind of conversations are you having with fellow athletes?
1: So I would say in a sport like mine, women never have made good enough money in order to be able to say, I'm a professional athlete and that's my job unfortunately for women, they have maybe over the past three to five years reached a place that they actually earn something from fighting. Before, they wouldn't even earn anything. And then in a sport like MMA, women are now making as much money as the men sometimes more, sometimes less, but not in all combat sports. For example, in boxing, women aren't making as much money to be able to afford a normal to low lifestyle. Same in kickboxing. So I've never expected my sport to provide an income for me. I always knew that I have to do something else. My university degree is in uh, applied mathematics. So I I was looking into getting into programming. Uh, It wasn't my interest. Coaching was more of a calling for me. So even when I was fighting, I was still doing personal training. I was still teaching classes and that was always my main income. Well, I would say is. So now my, what I would say to a fellow athlete is even though you should always respect that physical health and work on your training and keep yourself fit, it's good for your sanity. It, it keeps you going, but we always have to find a way in order to survive. I I can't say this is the time that any of us could actually benefit from but it's a time of survival. Do you think that you think the I,
0: government should be doing anything in this moment specifically to protect or financially support our best athletes or people like you?
1: Because I come from a place that women had almost zero respect and human lives had no value and I still have family back there so I know, still know the situation there. When the government of Canada offers a minimum amount in order for people to be able to afford living for the next three, four months, and then on top of that, I can do my virtual sessions to be able to keep us going. And then we are are so lucky to, because Canadians are, I feel like they are the nicest people. For example, my landlord is charging half of the rent until I'm back on my feet. So all of these little things that people are doing to help each other will keep us going, and then we'll figure it out when it's done. But realistically, looking at it, I don't think a government can afford paying extra attention to their athletes when their main people, the doctors, the nurses, the grocery staff, are putting their lives in order to uh, help people stay alive. That's
0: really noble of you, very nice, no no one no <laughs> really no one would blame you if you were to say hey we need some you know we ne- we need a special dispensation of some kind right now so I appreciate you saying that I also by the way I love that you got a math degree like you c- you can take the, the the woman out of Iran but, but she's still the <laughs> first bubble on desk even when you're a champion kickboxer you still have to become an engineer every
1: time I do a talk the first thing I say is my mom was like okay you want to do sports, that's a hobby. If <laughs> right, you don't right, get a degree, you'll become a Hammon. <laughs> right, and right. for people who don't know what Hammon is, it's a, is a low-level construction worker. So for her, it was either a degree or you lose
0: Listen, let me ask you about, uh, this might be a strange question, but I know that, I mean, I, I'm, I'm guessing intuitively there's so much you love about Iran and the people and the culture and your family and the background, and yet you are correctly uh, critical of, what, of, of, of things to be critical of and of what's happened to you personally in your story. Tell me about navigating that line. For non- Iranians, right where you don't I mean a lot of people who might be listening to this who are Iranian are going to get it all, but for somebody who knows very little about Iran and and your 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 the, the things that you might say are critical enough that they will only walk away with some stereotypical critical notion or um, do you do you worry about that at all?
1: I mostly try to be myself. I know I'm a Iranian woman, I'm proud of my heritage and uh, I look like a typical Iranian woman, and I say that with pride. And, and I do appreciate what it has given me and the adversities that I face have created the personality that I am today. And, and the fact that I don't lose myself when, when something like a pandemic comes along, even though it is quite scary, but I feel like there's always going to be an end and there's always going to be a, a, something better coming. I think that comes from what I have faced. So that's what I appreciate from Iran and the people and the love, of course. But I don't shy away from saying the, all the things that I had to endure. And I feel like the people who know me and the people who listen to me, they appreciate the honesty. So when I reached the point that I could actually comment about these things and I knew my voice was being heard, I was mostly thinking about the next generation, the women that are coming, because there are so many more women still in Iran that are far better than me, younger, in different sports, older, doesn't matter.
0: Just as a sidebar, we've have you seen those viral videos of Iranians, men and women, working out together on their balconies, following the moves of a trainer, mm-hmm. and they're keeping. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. No, they're in these complexes. They're, they're keeping safely away from each other, but they're engaging in this collective, like, co-ed exercises. And I, so I was Aww. almost thinking, like, can the pandemic ironically break down some of the conservative taboos, you know, in Iranian society? Yeah,
1: because in Iran, there is no way a man and a woman can be under the same roof if they're not somehow related.
0: So on that note, and before I, I let you go, you have become this inspiration, this, this role model for many young Iranian women who aspire to break the mold in their, uh, their own individual ways. What, what is your message to them?
1: I would always say, do whatever you can and try to be the best version of yourself and the results will come. It might not come when we want it or how we want it, but it'll, it will eventually come uh, with perseverance.
0: Fair enough it's been such a, a, a such a, an honor a pleasure to speak to you I, I before we did this recording I got the chance to speak to you and you were saying that this isolation and, and closing the gym and all that is taking a greater toll on on Ali on your your husband and business partner uh, than you how's he doing Tell me how this has affected him
1: um, yeah I, I- First off, let me say the honor is on mine. Thank you. I'm so grateful for uh, you taking the time to talk to me. Uh, and secondly, uh, so I felt like I saw that in him more because he is a person that is so in tune with his fighters and his number one athletes and he gets energy from them and from that group of intense athletes. So for him, I feel like it was more devastating. I saw him lose sleep and being extra stressed out. And it took him a while to get on board with my online classes and stuff. So I I feel like I, I had a job of taking care of his mental state at that short period of time just like how he was when I was trying to, you know, become a world champion and compete and, and improve in the sport. So that's what marriage is about. Sometimes uh, one of you is down and the other one has to pick him or her up. But now as it's going by and as we are getting more settled into the situation that we have to settle into, he's getting more on board. And I feel like he's finding his own way. And um, so uh, it's, it's looking good.
0: Sounds like it's, uh, you guys are lucky to have each other.
1: Definitely, definitely, both of us. I, I definitely do. He inspires me um, in so many ways, and there's, I would say, he's the first person who believes that I can actually do it, mm-hmm. and I will never forget that.
0: Take care of yourself out there in Vancouver, and and uh, we look forward to seeing you back in the ring. Thank you. Thanks, much. You too. Bye bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Farinoza Laurie. She is the uh, currently the 52 kilogram world number five ranked contender in kickboxing. Farinaj, join me from Vancouver, British Columbia today. I want to go out on some music by Arash Behzadi. He's a piano player and artist who has gained a following around the world. I know he's building a big fan base in Turkey. And he also has a beautiful spiritual message with his work. This is a song called Heaven's Gate from his album Elsewhere. Thanks to Arash Behzadi for what you do. This is full time for Rook today. Thank you to our amazing little team. If you want to help us out or join us, please contact us at info at or subscribe on our YouTube channel. Subscribe. Uh, find us on Instagram at rookmedia. I'm Gian Meshi. To be continued.